Well, we're back, okay? We're back, and it's, and it's going to be fantastic. If you have your little cards here, feel free to take notes on the back. That's what they're there for. And of course, there's information for you to know about on the front as well, okay? Now, we are starting a new, we're starting a new series on the iconic life of Jesus, okay? How many of y'all love Jesus? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Two people. I love it. Okay, so the iconic life of Jesus. In other words, who is Jesus? What has he done, right? And we kind of know the general idea, but the goal for this series, as it leads up to Easter, okay, on the day that we party it up real, real hard, as it leads up to that day, we're going to look over the iconic life of Jesus, the moments that he's done, who he is, not only who he is, but, but like big theological, I know that's a big word, but, but theology is just the study of knowing God, God, and, and who he is, right, more in depth. The theological truths of who Jesus is, okay? The truths of who Jesus is that's rooted in Scripture, but also rooted in, like, um, his promises, his miracles, um, the different things that he's done, and the consistency that we see from Old Testament to New Testament. It's going to be rich and full. We'll also have some great life applications that we'll take away from this. Um, really quick, anybody love romance movies? I love, somebody back there went like this and said, oh, nobody rose your hand and put it down real quick. Like, ah, oh, no, I don't. Just kidding. No, I, if you've heard this before. I love, 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 love romance movies. I'm, I'm a sucker for love. Like, I'm a hopeless romantic. Um, that's why Jackie loves me so much. But I'm just kidding. She's like, no, you don't ever give me flowers. I'm going to get you flowers soon, I promise. But, but I love romance movies. And many years ago, I, I watched this movie called through, uh, I'm not going to say the name because then you're going to go look at it. So never mind. I watched this movie, a romance movie, and this movie was about a man and a woman and like they didn't know each other. They're from like different parts of, of, of the world or whatever, or, like America, because they both spoke English. So I'm assuming it's America. It could be somewhere else. And randomly one day they're able to see through each other's eyes, like super random. And they freak out and they're like, who's there? What is that? Like, what's going on? And they find out that somehow, by some weird way, they're able to see what the other person is seeing, okay? And so throughout the movie, um, they're like learning about each other and seeing what they see, what they do in life and whatnot. Um, and of course, they fall in love. That's what happens in romance movies. They fall in love, and then they decide for the first time, okay, we're going to see each other. And they plan it out because they have no idea how they look, right? They've been avoiding mirrors and whatnot, like, because they're, they, I don't know, that's just part of the movie. Some movies just leave really big holes like that. But they decide to say, okay, let's see how we look. And so they, they, they plan to stand in front of a mirror, and finally they see each other for the first time. And there's this big, like, oh my gosh, you're so beautiful. Oh my gosh, you're so handsome. Like, I love you. And they, they fall in love. And I know it's kind of dumb, but, but, but it's interesting because... When I think about us, I wonder what it would have been like if we were to like actually walk with Jesus like in the flesh. Like, I wonder what my response would be, what, what I would do if like literally the physical body of Jesus, like I was able to walk with him. Because we read a lot about him in scripture. We know a lot about him and we can look throughout history and, and there's a lot of evidence that proves his existence and whatnot. Like, but but physically speaking, like we've, we've never been able to hold him, right? And I wonder what it would look like to walk with Jesus in the flesh. You see, for a long time, people followed God, even in the Old Testament, but were never able actually to see Jesus or to see God, I'm sorry, to see God in the flesh. He would speak through 
like bushes of fire or through dreams or through visions, like very audible, because he was known as the invisible God. God was invisible. No one could behold God's glory. Okay, he was invisible. But that all changed when God decided to reveal himself in a specific way, and that was through Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, we'll be in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, we'll be reading verses 15 through 20. We're going to go through this quickly, okay? 15 through 20, it'll also be on the screen. Here, I'm going to read it. It says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. In other words, he is superior. He is above all of it. Verse 19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile himself all things. Reconcile, in other words, to bring, to to fix broken relationships. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood, a.k.a. Jesus, shed on the cross. First thing that I want us to recognize really, really quick. Who is Jesus? Well, number one, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. God. So Jesus was 100% human and 100% God. Jesus made a way for the invisible God that no one was able to see to be fully known. For the first time in history, God is walking among his own creation, literally walking amongst everyone. Here's the thing about the invisible God. When you think of the invisible God, you think of just something you can't see, right? Oh, that's invisible. Like, I can't see it or whatever. Our eyes can't see it. But when we look at the context, right, and the background of what that meant to people back then, it wasn't just that God was invisible. It was that God was keeping himself from being fully known. It was that God was not allowing people to fully know him. Does that make sense? Because they can't just see him, they also can't know him fully. They take glimpses, God reveals small glimpses of who he is through specific people. That's why they had prophets that would go speak and and speak on behalf of God to the people because not everyone was allowed to fully know God. Invisible to the eye, but also invisible to knowledge. Does that make sense? And so, in Christ, God, the invisible God, becomes known. In the exalted Christ, the unknowable God now becomes known. And this is huge, okay? Because think about it like this. Anyone like babies? Okay, well, y'all were babies once, so I'm like, you're considered in that like group. I, I, I don't like babies. <laughs> like, I love them. Like, I love babies. But I also, like, don't like them. You know what I'm saying? But I love them. 
And so one of the craziest things that, that, I, that I found out about babies is that babies, while they're in the mother's womb, um, there have been studies that babies start to learn voices, right? Or some people put music on like the belly of, of the mom so that they would recognize it when they're born. Now, keep in mind, this baby is inside the womb, right? Like this baby can't see anything, right? It's just in there. But the craziest thing happens when the baby is born. When the baby is born, one of the only voices that it recognizes is the mother. And if a baby is given to someone else, it'll start crying and whining and just not, not, not having it. And it's consistently seeking the voice that it recognizes, which is the mother. In other words, the baby is trying to continue to know the things that it was hearing while in the womb, right? The voice that was familiar to them while they were in the womb. And I have a question for us is, is do you know the voice of God? Have you seen him in ways that remind you of his love for you? Have you recognized that he sent Jesus as the full body of God and, hum and humanity to, to see you, to hold you, to speak truth to you. And if you long to know God, just like the baby longs to hear that voice again, then you look to Jesus, the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the embodiment, the fullness of God, fully man, fully God. And we can look to Jesus to know God, the Father, fully. That's so powerful. That's so amazing. And it's key for us to know because again, up and, and we're living in the, in like the, the prime, we get to live in a place where we can actually know God fully. That's amazing. We don't have to wait for a prophet to speak for us. We don't have to wait uh, for promises to like come to fruition. No, it has already been done and finished in Jesus. Right. And we can fully no, God. Another thing, number two, Jesus is before all things. Jesus is before all things. So back then, centuries really after Paul, okay, uh, a dangerous but popular teacher named Arius claimed that Jesus was not truly God. Okay, there were people that were starting to say, nah, like, Jesus wasn't really God. He was a phony. Not true. And there was a time that he didn't exist. Okay. There was a time that, um, that Jesus was never around. So that means that he can't be fully God. But Paul rightly understood and insisted, again in this verse, that Jesus was before all things and that he himself is the beginning. I have a quote here by Mr. Clark. It says this, as all creation necessarily exists in time and had a commencement or a beginning, and there was an infinite duration in which it did not exist, whatever was before to that must be no part of creation. And the being who existed prior to creation and before all things, all existence of every kind must be 
the eternal God. And Paul says that Jesus Christ was before all things. In other words, the apostle Paul believed and, and, and proves that Jesus was truly to be God. In other words, in order for there to be God, listen to me carefully, in order for there to be God, he must not have a beginning or an end. So if things exist, it has a beginning. For example, one of the first things that God ever created was time. Genesis says, in the beginning, boom, right there, what was created? Time. Time was created. However, Paul is saying that Jesus is before all things. Jesus is past, present, and future. He is outside of time. Therefore, proving, once again, that Jesus is God. Isn't it amazing to know that Jesus knows us? Amen? That we were all created by him and for him. And if we were created by Jesus and for Jesus, then that means that you, Calvary student, middle school and high school student, have a specific purpose. And you've heard this before, but it's important to know that there is a reason you are alive. You have been molded and folded by a potter who is kind, loving, and merciful, who is Jesus. He is before all things. Jesus cannot exist because he doesn't have a beginning or an end. He is eternal, everlasting. That is who Jesus is. And lastly, Jesus is the holder of all things, the holder of all things. So the word that Paul uses here, um, and he's writing about Jesus, holds all things together, is, forgive me, I might say this wrong, sinistemi, or sinistemi, which means to place together, to set in the same place, to bring or band together, to set one with another, to put together by way of composition or combination, to put together, unite parts into one whole. Uh, I'm going to invite my buddy David uh, to come up. He's going to help me um, with this really quick. And um, Angel, you mind giving me that bag really quick uh, of dodgeballs? You see, one of the th hardest things for me in my life that I have to accept is to allow for someone else to have control or authority over me, okay? I'm stubborn, I like doing things my own way, I like solving problems my own way, and the sad thing is that every time I try to hold everything in my life, it doesn't end well, but I'm stubborn. I wanna hold things in my life, like my relationship, right? I like to hold things in my life, like my finances, I like to hold things in my life, like my career, right, my job. Um, but then there are harder things for me to hold, right? I start to stress, have stress. I start to have fights maybe, mostly with my wife, because it's my fault. <laughs> I start to have doubts in life. Oh, 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 hold on. Go ahead, go ahead. Pick it up. You see, it got a little bit harder there, huh? It got harder, didn't it, David? It got harder. 
right? But here's the problem. It's a prime example. Here, I'll get closer then. But we're stubborn. I'm stubborn. Okay, I'll go ahead and still keep going. Okay, yeah, you know what? Cusco pooped on the floor. I'm mad at that. That's a problem. It's not my problem. <laughs> it's not your problem. It's my problem, right? Okay, I can keep going. I can keep going. Things are adding to my life. And then finally something happens, right? A big thing happens. Something that takes me over the edge. And, I, and, I, and God forbid this, this doesn't happen, but, well, it, but it will happen. Here's the problem is that it's going to happen. My dad dies. And that happens. It all falls apart. Thank you, David. No, you have to pick up. Yeah, give a round of applause to David. We cannot hold things together. Anxiety, depression, frustration, fear. We can't do it because the moment that something big like that happens, and I'm going to tell you right now, I am not ready to lose my dad. I, I don't know how I'm going to handle that. I'm not ready for that. And I, I can't even imagine. There are some maybe students in this room who, who know exactly what that feels like. And, and I don't want to know what that feels like. But the reality is it's going to happen. And I'm not going to be able to hold things together. But this scripture reminds me the beautiful truth that Jesus holds all things together. He is the one that can sustain every single thing that's going on in my life. My doubts, my fears, anxieties, and those big moments that are bound to happen no matter what. There's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing I can do about it. And it's going to hit me in the chest so hard to the point that everything that I've worked so hard to keep up crumbles and falls. It'll affect my relationship, my marriage. It'll affect my, my, my relationships with my friends. It'll affect my job. It'll affect every single aspect of my life because I am trying to hold it together. And it's not going to work. How do you handle your life? That's the question. How have you continued to try to hold everything about your life together? Have you done it by yourself? We could have had somebody else here and, and said, hey, you know what? You're going to help David. Go ahead. Hold, hold the other parts of his life. Help him take control of that life. But in the end, that won't work either. Because that person also has their own things that they have to hold. And in my life, again, transparently, even, even in ministry, as a pastor, I've had, I don't know, like five conversations this week of different things and situations and problems that are going on with students, young adults, and parents. And I, and I find myself like, how can I balance all these things? And I have my own things that I need to work out in my life. And I realize, wait a minute, I just need to keep pushing them towards Jesus. That is the main thing that I need to do. And I need to push myself towards Jesus. My prayer tonight is that we would see Jesus who is the image of the invisible God, that he has made himself known in his word and that he is God in the flesh. That's who Jesus is. And he's the one that holds our lives in his hands. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I thank you so much for this evening. I pray, Father, 
that you will remind us of the truth, the deity. The reality is that Jesus is your image, the image of the invisible invisible God, and that you ultimately, Lord, are God. You are him in the flesh. Remind us, Jesus, that there's nothing that we can do on our own, but the beautiful truth that you are before all things. Remind us, Jesus, that you're also the holder of all things. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I love it. Hey, Calvary students, I'm excited for this series. I think we're going to see a lot of amazing truths that we have in Jesus, and I pray that it blesses you and that it convicts you and it makes you think of some things and that you would be able to share this with, with the world, with your classmates, with your friends. Again, we're asking every student, where are you gathering, where are you growing, and where are you going? And my hope and prayer is that you would take this and you would go and grow with people, go and share with people. Um, We're going to break into our C groups.